0: going on, guys? Welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. This is Austin, your host for the ad space today. And if this is your first time tuning in, then welcome to the community of preparedness. We are glad to have you. And I'm going to talk to you guys about what sponsors make this content free for all of you. And first up is a new partner for us that we're really excited to announce, which is Black Rifle Coffee Company. Now, Mike goes way back with Evan from their time and working for the government together, and uh, they've had a friendship for a long time, and now we're actually officially making a a partnership between the two companies. We've been mutually supporting each other along the way, but now uh, we have like some official partnerships that we're bringing to you guys, and it's going to include some content, some awesome trips, some really cool stuff that we've got lined up, so we're really excited for you guys to participate in a lot of those things that we're going to be doing and to follow along. But guys, head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com, check out the coffee club. So uh, I wasn't always and haven't always been a big coffee drinker, but in the last probably six to eight months for me, I've really kind of gotten on the coffee train as I met everybody at Black Rifle. I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. But I got to say, of all the coffee I've ever tried uh, over the years, Black Rifle has won me over. And I I mean, my favorite is the Power Llama Coffee at... I don't know. I, it was the i I'm more of a light roast kind of guy, but the coffee club has come in clutch for me. So you go on there, you, you sign up. You pick what uh, kind of coffees you want. If you like a lighter roast, darker roast. If you want like you got like a Keurig at home or you want the beans or grounds, whatever it is you want. They walk you through this little uh, uh, quiz, so to speak, on figuring out what it is that you want. You throw it in your cart, you purchase it, and you can get it every couple weeks. You can get it every uh, month, whatever you want. They can hook you up. So head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com and check out the coffee club that Black Rifle is offering for you. Next up our friends over at Kafaru. Guys, I don't know what your experience level is with backpacks. I don't know what it is that you do that you recreate, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you if you put on a Kafaru pack, you'll never want to put on anything else. Kafaru is a is a was a brand for me that I only heard about a few years ago from uh, Kevin Estella and one of the first courses we taught, he had the bag. You know, he let me mess around with it a little bit and I gotta say ever since I finally got my hands on one of their bags. I have been thoroughly impressed with this performance. I have a 22 mag that I use for all my search and rescue stuff, and I carry it on all my calls, and it has always performed top notch. I'm really impressed with their frame systems, the way that it pads around the back um, and the hip belt. I mean, it's absolutely amazing gear, guys. So, if you are in the market for a good backpack, for some kind of whatever the need is, they have something for you. So, guys, head over to kafaru.net, check out all the products that they have and I promise you guys you won't be disappointed next up are our friends from triarch systems triarc systems makes the best weapon systems on the planet period point and dot guys I've always been extremely impressed with the way that these weapon systems work the way that they function um, a lot what happens with a lot of these custom builders is the tolerances on the gun are so tight that they become uh, it becomes an issue over time. Um, well, with all of the truck systems guns that I've ever used, um, uh, which has been, I've, I've gotten to play, play around with the gamut of guns that they have. So, uh, they've always performed top notch. And I know that our training staff on the tactical side of training, uh, loves using their guns and they've always performed very well for all of them. And it, I mean, the best part of the relationship is that Chris Reeves and the whole gang of employees that he has over there are great folks. They've always supported us since day one, um, I mean, OG sponsors for Fieldcraft Survival, and we appreciate all of them and everything that they do. And guys, if you want the best guns made by the best people, head over to TriarchSystems.com, use code Fieldcraft, and it'll save you 5% on the
1: next build that you have at TriarchSystems.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host this time around. My name is Kevin Estella. I'm the director of training. And usually, when I do this podcast, I'm uh, I'm joined with guys who have a lot of experience in the field, whether they're veterans, many many years in, in the military, or they're survival instructors with decades of experience. Uh, it's very rare that I do a podcast where I'm talking to someone who is relatively new, but who is going to do great things. And. Before we get into this podcast and before I introduce uh, this guest, I'll simply say this: you know, I spent a lot of years as a high school history teacher, and I've spent many years as an instructor in different skill sets, whether it was whitewater canoeing and kayaking, or or you know even swimming lessons, right? Um, or teaching survival skills. And you know, they always say like one of the greatest things for an educator or a teacher is to see the student surpass the teacher. And there were a handful of students in my years in public education who, when they walked in the door, I was like, "Damn, this kid's good," you know. And there were a lot of, lot of times, uh, or I should say, very few times, where I said, "I think this student knows more than me." And, you know, it was absolutely amazing seeing this next guest, who I'm about to introduce, uh, rise from, you know, a very quiet um, but very confident student to where he is now. Guys, in this podcast, uh, I'm joined by uh, Michael Kaminsky. Michael Kaminsky is uh, currently or going to be a senior in the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, I watched this student grow from a, a young boy, right, a, like a young man, into someone who's going to be a military leader. And I am absolutely, absolutely super proud uh, of where he is now and what, what he's become. So, Mike, without blowing up your head too much or your ego, which I know you don't have, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. How are you, buddy?
2: Pretty good. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, my God. I I definitely mean it when I say that I'm excited to have you on here, uh, number one, because we get to reconnect. I've known you for many years, um, but also you are living a very, very interesting life right now as a student in a military academy, which I don't think a lot of people get to hear what the inside story is like. So, um, let's kind of give a little bit of background. Um, you know, obviously I just introduced you. I told everyone that you're my student in Bristol, Connecticut at BCHS go Rams. Um, but, uh, let's, let's kind of bring everyone up to speed who you are, where you're from, uh, and how you got to where you are today.
2: Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, so went to Bristol central high school in Bristol, um, A little backstory behind that, both my parents uh, immigrated here from Poland in the 90s. So it's kind of a unique situation where they came here for a search for a better life and all that. And then um, in high school, I made the decision to submit an application to the Air Force Academy, West Point, and other service academies. My older brother, he's uh, two years older, David, he he got accepted to the Air Force Academy. He finished two years ago. So, some might say I'm following his footsteps, but it's your own personal decision on what you want to do, but got here to the Air Force Academy in June of 2018, so it was only a week after I graduated high school that we had, um, here at the Academy, we call it I-Day, so, like, indo- Indoctrination Day, It um, basic military training after that here at the Academy, um, you see. Ba- basic in in every single service, you your, the whole goal is to take a civilian and transform them into uh, a military member. So we're talking soldiers, airmen, sailors. Each have their own like respective differences. However, like the basic premise is break everyone down as an individual and build you back up as a team. And honestly, that, that's that's the premise of the academy. And just your freshman year here, and been here four years now, so finishing up and. May of, uh, of this year going to commission. And I'm really looking forward to what the future is going to hold
0: for me. But
2: no
1: backstory of where I'm at. Now, there are a lot of listeners, I bet, who have kids that are in high school. And I guarantee you, we have listeners who are in high school because, you know, they look up to a lot of the guys here at the company, which, you know, is, is incredible. Um, but to get into the Air Force Academy, I mean, I know you're not one to brag, but you're a valedictorian, right? I was, Chris. Yeah, I remember that because you wrote about me in the newspaper, which made me almost cry, you bastard. Um, love you to <laughs> death. But uh, yeah, you wrote about me in the newspaper and then uh, you were a valedictorian and I was like, I have to definitely hear his speech at, at graduation. But in terms of the academic rigor, if someone wants to go to the one of these military academies, what is essentially a, a expected of the the candidate when they're applying? Like, Are you I mean, would a salutatorian have as much luck getting into one or someone in like the top 5%, top 10%? Like what exactly is like the bar that you have to, you have to rise to?
2: So the application process in itself, um, it's a challenge just to get through. There's numerous people that begin applications, but never submit, never make it to the final step. Just, there's so many, um, checkpoints that you have to make where if you submit SAT scores or ACT scores that aren't competitive enough for the academy, they simply drop your application and say, thank you, please reapply next year when you have a higher score. But going off of what, your class rank in high school, valedictorian salutatorian, a lot of times they're pretty similar, they're pretty competitive. They, they hold a good amount of merit, but what you see here at the academy is all the, the – You see the top 10 percent of kids in high school you take all the all the big fish from little little lakes and you throw them all together here at the academy into the ocean that's one of the best analogies that i've heard here and another thing with the application process is you can be the smartest and the the best on paper but there's there's more to it you have to pass the the physical test that you have to meet a certain minimum standard just to enter the academy with push-ups um, pull-ups, there's a basketball throw in there too. And if that wasn't enough, you also have to get congressional nomination from either a senator or your House of uh, Representative, And they have to personally um, sign off on you to send your name also to the, the academy. Therefore, you, you get a wide range of people. You're not just going to get the, the number one student from um, each state. You're going to get athletes also people because the academy is also NCAA D1 and we see a lot of kids coming to the Academy initially for uh, athletic reasons but then they, they stay for the military the Academy it's it's nothing's coming out of pocket monetarily from the students and the cadets however when you come here you're come with the you know that you're going to be serving in the active duty Air Force For at least five to six years as an officer after that so a lot of times the people that are applying they have to know that beforehand and a lot of a lot of people it scares them away from putting that application in but i think the the metric that the academy has it's about 11 percent acceptance rate overall
1: you know what you know what's incredible is as an 18 year old kid right or 18 year old man to think that, okay, I'm committing four years of my life to higher education, but then an additional five on top of that. So nine years of your life, half of your lifetime. I mean, as an 18-year-old, to think back like, okay, from age nine to eighteen. Now let's apply that to age 18 to, you know, 27. <laughs> like that's that's the level of commitment that you need to make that conscious decision. Yes, this is going to be for me, or you know, it's, it's not going to be for me. And I can imagine that, that, that can definitely weigh on you. Um,
2: and going off of that, there's, since this is the air force Academy, a lot of people come here, they have the aspiration to become a pilot with pilot training right now. Once you go to pilot training, finish all your training, you have a 10 year commitment to the air force to be a pilot. So it's it's an extended contract.
1: It's 10 years on top of the four. So that's, wow. That's almost like. I mean, I'm not a math person, but that's 14 years of your life. And you're 18 when you're making that decision.
2: Wow. Exactly.
1: Guys, we're going to interrupt the podcast for just a second and talk to you about
0: our sponsor, 10,000. 10,000 makes honestly some of those versatile, um, comfortable clothing that I've worn. And uh, it's perfect for whatever it is that you're going out to do. So I have a few pairs of their pants that I, I mean – their fit is really, really good. I mean, they just, um, they're tailored down in, the, in a tapered fit around the knee. So that way, um, you know, as you move, the pant doesn't ride up when doesn't bunch up in those weird areas. But then their seven inch tactical short um, is my favorite. I mean, I wear it for almost all of my workouts, uh, even on rucks sometimes when I go out and, and decide to go on a ruck for my PT. Um, these shorts have actually been tested by over 50 special operations members from every branch. You got Navy SEALs, some EOD guys, Marine Raiders, Army Green Berets, the Rangers, and some even Air Force special operations guys. And they've all tested it out, put it through the ringer, running, swimming, rucking, whatever it is. And they've all given the seal of approval. So 10,000 is offering our listeners a 15% off purchase. Go to 10,000.cc. That's 10,000.cc and enter code FIELDCRAFT and receive 15% off your purchase. That's 10,000.cc and enter code FIELDCRAFT. Guys, go check out their clothing and you won't be disappointed.
1: And what what is it like? Okay, so... I mean, I, I never was in the military. I never went to a military academy, but I know what it was like to transition from a high school student to a college student. And I'll never forget that first night when I was, you know, in my dorm and, you know, I had the the roommate from Ohio and like we we're listening to music until like four in the morning. And I mean, it was, it was a very different dynamic than, than living, you know, at home throughout high school. But what is your first night like at the academy?
2: So your, your first night at the academy, um, oh going to be eye day so right when you get to the academy and anyone with a uh, prior military experience knows what footprints are um i know the marines have them where you go and there's a layout of spray-painted footprints and you stand there and that's your first entrance into the military where you're going to be judged already as a civilian and that's when the training and the instruction begins however here at the academy your first night Everyone processes in taking in a thousand new cadets, new basic cadets every year. But that next morning, when you wake up, you don't know what's going to hit you because in basic training, you have a lot of upperclassmen as cadre that are very excited to meet you, that are ready to train, that have been trained by uh, actual military training instructors, enlisted master sergeants, and they're, they're pretty excited. So. Your door, get ready for some banging, some kicking, some, <laughs> some loud noises in the hallway. You, you're not allowed to have, when I went through basic training, you weren't allowed to have a watch. You're not allowed to have a phone. There's no way to set an alarm or prepare yourself. You simply go to sleep and they'll wake you up. And there's, there's banging, screaming on your door, telling you to put on your uniform back when in 2018, we were wearing the airman battle uniform, ADU. Since then, they've been retired, and now we're wearing uh, OCPs, just like the army is. And you'll you'll hear it all across the academy from from the from the other dorm building. You'll hear the basic wakeups happen up right in the morning, and it's it's a good feeling to hear from the other side. But when you're in the moment, and someone's banging on your door, screaming at you to put your clothes on and open your door and fall out. It's a little bit of a it's a pretty big culture shock for sure.
1: You know what's interesting? I've heard people criticize that and they're like, "Oh my god, it sounds like bullying, it sounds like hazing, this and that." How can they be so strict over a little little detail? And to that, I have to say, well, if you can't be trusted with a little detail, how can you be trusted with a significant detail? Right? Like, I mean, exactly. it's it's breeding it's breeding a like, like a habit to be super conscious and aware of everything that you're doing. Um, and it might not seem very pleasant in the moment, but if you think about how unpleasant the consequences would be of eventually one day having a command of, you know, an aircraft or a number of people and then failing to have that vigilance and that awareness and then something terrible happening, well, guess what? That's a little bit more inconvenient than someone yelling at you. Um, now you're on the other side of that coin. When does it all begin for you to then share what you've learned with the incoming freshman class? Has that already started?
2: Uh, yes. So what happens? So the academy set up in a in a four year four class system. So once basic training happens and the basic cadets finish and they're we call it accepted into the, the wing, and that's when they become fourth class cadets or dualies. That's what. A freshman is called here and you're all your freshman, your freshman year is just learning basic followership, taking orders from upperclassmen and training at the lowest tactical level. It's training. Once you finish freshman year and the seniors graduate, that's when you end up taking more leadership roles. You start taking sophomores are direct supervisors of dualies. So the sophomores have the, they just finished the training that the freshmen have gone through last year. They're able to connect with them more, give them tips and tricks. And once you start going up the chain to the, the juniors, now the juniors are leading the sophomores and how they should lead. And then once you get to the very top of the spear with the seniors, they're thinking big picture, the organization, the entire squadron of how to run it, how to organize training to accomplish the mission. And, Each class has its own challenges that you have to go through, but with each class, you learn more about yourself and your own leadership style. And ultimately, once you finish the academy, you know who you are as a person and how you're going to lead airmen.
1: Your freshman year, what stands out to you the most in terms of the training that you received?
2: So here at the academy, there's a little book, and it's called Contrails, and it has a lot of – technical information about the air Force and now about the space force take for example it'll give you the the f-16 of uh, a multi-role fighter aircraft and it'll tell you the top speed the number in inventory the number that were produced and all these facts and little details and it's expected from all the freshmen to have essentially the entire book front to back memorized and it's not just technical details of about aircraft there's extremely long quotes in there which and there's quotes about the the military code of conduct which are basic guidelines on you have to do if if you were to become a prisoner of war and in, in behind enemy lines and a lot of times as a freshman when i came into the academy i was 17 years old it's like oh like we're preparing for for what like you don't see that end goal it's just here's this book memorize it and what you have to do with the memorization also, it has to be word for word, comma for comma verbatim. And they'll have you stand up in front of upperclassmen and they'll quiz you. And if you don't get it right, there'll be consequences, whether that's more training, more push stuff, stuff along those lines. But in the big picture, that like forced memorization of lear- relearning how to learn, essentially, that has been probably the... Biggest like helpful factor for me in my time in the military so far and just working under stress because there's times when we'll probably get and talk to it. When I did uh, this program called AM490 here, which is free fall parachuting (laughs) and you're extremely high stress on yourself just to memorize all of the emergency procedures, but you pick it up extremely quickly and you trust your training. And it all goes back for me to freshman year when upperclassmen are training you outside, when you're running, you're doing pushups, ups when you're under an immense amount of physical stress, but they're still asking you questions. So what's, what's the max speed of a C-17? And you have to give an answer. And everyone knows once you start working under stress, you're going to start making mistakes. And it's learning how to handle stress and be calm and collective in the moment. I think for me, that was my biggest takeaway from freshman year is just learning that and the only way to learn it is through experience and muscle memory
1: as a freshman i mean going from like sitting in the senior cafeteria as a as a high school student to a freshman uh in you know do you call it the chow hall mess hall what's what's the term for it in the air force
2: so on here at the air force academy we just call it mitchell hall and that's just our dining hall okay
1: did you have to do what i've heard other students have told me about like where you can only chew a certain number of chews before you have to swallow the food that you've eaten. Like, was it that severe?
2: Yes. Um, so in basic training, you're only allowed seven chews for when you're sitting at meals and all the meals are in basic training. When I went through in 2018, you're sitting at a position of attention. So you're sitting in the front third of your chair, your back is straight, your eye, your head is looking forward. Only your eyes are allowed to look down there's a little eagle at the top of your plate. That's the only thing you're allowed to look at. However, your chin and everything has to remain par- like parallel to the table. So you're kind of sitting there with your fork and knife, and you're trying to cut and eat and everything and get enough nutrition in for the day. Meanwhile, you're counting seven shoes. Other classmen <laughs> are also counting your shoes to make sure you don't go over. Because if you go over, they'll notice. And it's there's so many little things that you have to remember and take care of. It's like you said, when you take care of the little things, that's when the big things start falling into picture. Because if you start missing up little details, then down the line, those are just going to snowball into larger, larger effects that you don't want to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I know it's not a, an Air Force thing, but I recall talking to a friend who is a submariner and the friend said one of the, the words that is most important to him is the word integrity. And he said, if you think about it on a, on a submarine, on that type of vessel, the captain would often say like, does the ship have integrity? Meaning are all the hatches closed? Is everything absolutely closed? Because at sea level, the ship is totally fine. Maybe there's a little bit of water that comes in, but as you increase pressure as that ship, you know, submerges the slightest crack because it doesn't have integrity becomes a serious problem. Um, so I think that's an indicative of, of what all of this is, you know, designed to do. It's to give you guys integrity. And, you know, I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming there are folks that, <laughs> and I don't know if it's, if this is true or not, but if you went over seven or eight chews, I mean, would people be like, I'm, I'm, it's my fault. I apologize. I went over it. Like, did anyone own up to it or? Was there, did you ever notice anyone say like, oh, I didn't do that, you know, because I mean, I think that's, oh, that's a lesson. Of right course. There.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of times at the beginning when people are still in the, in the individual mindset, right. When they come from high school, sometimes people still don't understand that whole concept of integrity, but that's the whole point of the academy. You have four years and a very intense freshman year to instill all the, like air force core values into you. And a lot of times, like, what's the hardest for people is to admit that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. But once you're able to admit that you're wrong, you can work on improving that. And a lot of times the best one of the tools that you can use here is like, if you mess up, not only are you going to be at a lower level or a lower grade, but the people to your left and your right, your friends, you're kind of bringing them down also because now they have to suffer with the consequences as well. It's not necessarily group punishment, but you all work together to become better. And um, there, there's so many times when you're getting beat down, you don't know where to like what the next step in, in your training is, but you look over, you're not alone. You have, in each and there's about 30 freshmen. You have 30 other people that go through basic training with you that you know at the back of your hand, and you rely on them to help you out. and make sure that they keep you accountable also, because if you start messing up, then it's a failure on, on your people to your left
1: and right. Also. Yeah. That, that's a power, le- powerful lesson in leadership right there is, you know, it's not about you. Right. I mean, uh, I heard, a. uh, a- Political scientists say one time, like one of America's problems is we have what's referred to as the suck of self, meaning it's very easy to get sucked into ourself, very easy to become very self-absorbed. But when you think about the bigger picture, and in your case with your classmates, it's not just about you, you know. And exactly. uh, and I, I think that's great that they're that they're giving you that in your training, but. Aside from like freshman year with the way that they indoctrinate you, you've had some very interesting training. And I want to talk about that because obviously if if people are listening to this podcast, they're following Fieldcraft survival. They know that we train, you've had some interesting training in the woods. Um, Now it wasn't the same type of seer training that you would receive. Like if you were um, uh, like already in the military uh, and right, it was a, it was a, a version of it. So can you talk a little bit about what you received, where you, where you went? And obviously you don't have to give anything sensitive away, but like what some of the great takeaways were from spending that much time separated and, and put into the woods.
2: Yeah, of course. So training here at the Academy, it, it fluctuates and how it's going. When I went through, uh, we called it ESET expeditionary survival evasion training, I believe. Um, how that's normally it occurs between once you finish freshman year and once before you begin sophomore, uh, sophomore year. So within that summer period and my training, it lasted three total weeks. And for about two of those weeks, we were out living in the woods. Um, some of the biggest highlights from it, uh, you'll do basic, uh, shelter craft. So with, your poncho and your wooby, you'll make ranger diamonds. They'll teach you how to make a frame shelters with very minimal supplies with some paracord. The whole uh, premise here at the academy is kind of in the mindset of you're a pilot that had to eject behind enemy lines and you have very limited resources. You'll have the parachute from the ejection seat, which has paracord, which as everyone knows, you can use for a million things, whether it's fishing or just tying knots and making anything with it repairing your your equipment on you your gear that's broken what other programs that it did during the survival training we also had uh, exercises for 36 hours where you're kind of you have a rock you're have a small fire team of five to six individuals and you have to work together as a team to make it around the entire premise of the air force academy because all this training it happens here on the Air Force Academy in Colorado. And we have a lot of land, a lot of valleys and mountains. So it, it's a pretty unique experience where you they give you training in the classroom, but then you have to go out and actually apply it. And here in Colorado, we have very fluctuating weather conditions day to day. So you can one day, it'll be 85 degrees. I remember during myself and your summer when I went through it, it was extremely hot during the day and then sp- slowly the temperature started to change. Then you had random lightning storms and showers that come down at 4 PM. So you're putting on your poncho just to stay dry. And then at night it dropped to around 30 degrees. Cause when we woke up in the morning, it was hailing and you're just embracing the suck of everything. Just doing some basic, basic survival training out on the ground in the woods in the night. Um, so it was a really good experience and you get extremely close with your fire team, of five to six other cadets that are going through it.
1: I think there's, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. And then you have some dedicated survival training, um, instruction like, Oh, like how to make little traps for squirrels from, from wire and stuff like that and tying knots and certain things like that. You'll also be provided when I went through, uh, rabbits. And they taught you how to humanely uh, euthanize the rabbit, skin it, and cook, like, cook a stew out of it to sustain yourself. Because when you're out in the woods, all you're eating are MREs. No one's going to come with a, a warm <laughs> meal ready to to fill you up for McDonald's. That's not what's happening. You're out there eating the same thing that you would eat downrange.
1: Now, I, I think it's, it's valuable training. I always tell people you know the survival training getting out into the woods even if you don't plan on on using it you know for recreation just to go through that experience when whenever people would say like oh my god i have so much hard work to do and i'm like really you're calling what you're doing work it might be very time consuming or it might be mentally draining but i wouldn't necessarily call it hard because as you mentioned 85 degrees during the day 30 degrees at night you know to survive in that temperature swing that's in my opinion a little bit harder than maybe getting an extra pile of papers on your desk at at work so i think it builds great character um and even if if folks like i said aren't planning on being a regular camper fisherman hunter hiker just go through it once and then that way you have the perspective and understanding to make your life seem a, a lot easier Guys, I'm going to interrupt the podcast and talk
0: to you about our sponsor, Element. Element is a drink mix that is taking over the world. With Element, you can get back those valuable electrolytes after fasting, working out, help you fight the keto flu and carb cravings, and even kickstart your day in the morning and help you fight off that late morning grogginess that we all experience. Element has zero sugar. No artificial ingredients and no extra coloring. Many professional athletes in leagues like in the NBA and the NFL are swapping over to using Element, including the Team USA weightlifting team, three Navy SEAL teams and a handful of other tactical teams from the Marine Corps and FBI snipers. Element is offering the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast listeners a special opportunity to try Element for free. Using our link that you'll find down in the show notes, Element will send you a sample pack that includes eight packets of assorted flavors. All you have to do is pay shipping, which here in the U.S. is going to put you somewhere around five bucks. So don't miss this offer, guys. It's totally risk-free. And if you do end up buying some uh, Element mix and changing your mind, uh, you can return it, no questions asked. They're proud to offer you that no BS customer service. And all of us here in the office love running over, grabbing a pack of Element. Pouring in our drink mix and reaping the rewards of being hydrated. Guys, head over to drinkelement.com
1: forward slash fieldcraft. But now, the, the what you already alluded to, and I definitely want to talk about it because when you sent me the photos of this, I was like, "This kid is out of his mind." And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you did a, a a parachuting school where there was no training wheels essentially like you weren't strapped to an instructor you jumped out of the plane solo before (laughs) like you never even had a tandem instructor so and it's the only one in the entire country that does that right
2: yes correct so the program you're talking about we call it am 490 which is basic free fall parachuting here at the academy and it's offered to everyone here at the academy mostly people also completed during the summer between freshman and sophomore year And it's a very fast paced program with, with the end goal of you doing five solo jumps out of an aircraft. So what happens is you go down, you have a, uh, airport on base, an airfield, and you go down to the, the squadron. They start training you on a Monday. You have full day of training from, I believe it was six in the morning to about five in the, in the evening. And it's a, it's a fire hose of information. As you can imagine, it's not, it's not like, oh, watch this 10 minute YouTube clip on safety. No, like this is, you're learning how to put the, the parachute on the correct way, the harness, all the, the emergency procedures, because if it if all goes well, it's not that difficult. You jump out of the aircraft, you pull the, the handle and everything's good, but you have to think about every situation that can go wrong. And that's where the training comes in, in play. And they give you a, a piece of paper front and back with, boldface that you need to memorize verbatim just like freshman year that book that had some you might seem like oh it's like nonsense information I was like oh how fast this plane can go but in practice when they give you this this training sheet you have to memorize it everything because they will quiz you in a in a practice hanging your harness and if you don't pass their standard of 100 correct they're not going to put you in an aircraft they're not going to let you jump because this, this program here at the Academy is the only program where your first jump and all five, in fact, are solo. And it's not uh, – the Army does static line where you hook into, and this – there is nothing. You jump out of the aircraft, and it is just you and the parachute and you, all of the training you've had. It is on to you to execute and do what you need to do to survive
1: essentially. That, that blows my mind because I I, like when you first sent me the photo, it was the photo of you in that like classic arched position. And it was a distance photo and like, I could barely see the plane. Right. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what happens if you jump out of the plane and you, you pass out, you know, like, what? and I'm running through the scenario in my head and I'm thinking to myself, I would never do that program. I would need someone to who is reliable, you know, to wake me up as I'm you know, as that canopy's overhead and be like, dude, you passed out. Uh, I, I was and I, I think go ahead, yeah.
2: I think one of the best things about the academy is like I changed as a person from when I came in right out of high school. Okay. I also, if you told me I was be jumping out of a plane <laughs> yeah. by myself, absolutely not. There's no, no way. But you get through freshman year, which I would argue was the hardest year of my entire life and the most strenuous. But I learned so much about myself when the opportunity came to sign up for this class. I was like, yeah, I could do that. You get in the mindset of nothing is too big of a challenge. Cause as long as you put the work in, you can, you can do it. Right. Right. No, nothing is too scary. Nothing is that trust your training. That's the biggest thing I've learned. And when you start training on a monday at the squadron you have another full day two more full days of ground training so that brings you to a thursday and thursday if you pass your your hanging harness test and they they bring you up to a wind tunnel to simulate oh what freefall might feel like but in reality it's nothing like actually jumping <laughs> the you're able to jump on a thursday and you started on a on a monday from zero knowledge and Thursday, they have full trust in you to jump out of the aircraft.
1: 72 hours. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Amazing. Unbelievable, man. Uh, and now, obviously, like you've you've done that. You've done the, the survival training. Is there any other training that stands out like something that you're like, this is one of the highlights of my my career so far?
2: So it's kind of a unique situation from the last two years, just because of the whole coronavirus pandemic, where we were one of the only schools that were still in person, mm-hmm. while most, most schools and universities, state funded, they shifted to everything online and that. So it was a blessing to be here still at the academy, where a lot of tr- uh, normal training programs were kind of I'll put on pause. But most recently... Another really great opportunity I've had here at the Academy was to go to Latvia to uh, continue learning r- my Russian language. I have a background in Polish from my parents, and I speak it fluently. However, when I got to the Academy, the opportunity came to sign up for Russian. I had zero Russian knowledge. I didn't know the Cyrillic alphabet, nothing like that. So I started learning it. Three years later, signed up for another program, and they sent me to Latvia for essentially a month to be immersed in the culture, go to a school there to learn Russian more. And now coming back from that, I'm pretty confident in my ability to speak to native Russian speakers. I've done it here up in Denver in a Russian store, just talking to people. And it's it's one of those things that you have to take advantage of every opportunity that comes by because Mm -hmm. it helps you. And I'm super grateful I was able to go there and come out with the knowledge of the language, the people, the culture, and hopefully put that in use in my Air Force career or just in, in life. I love I, The opportunities here at the Academy are, they're unique and specialized for everyone. If you want to become a glider pilot, they have that program here too. They have so many programs where every single person, you'll find a little niche that you fall into.
1: I remember when I spoke to you and you had just completed the the vision test for you know the pilot um, program and I remember you were disappointed because it's it, it's a one and done right like you don't have multiple chances to pass that and you were so darn close um, Now uh, I think everyone thinks, oh Air Force Academy, everyone's gonna be a pilot um, you, I mean you just said that all these opportunities exist aside from that pilot program. But I mean, would you still want to do a job eventually like in the Air Force that relates to being on board an aircraft or are you pursuing something else right about now?
2: So it's kind of unique here because like you said, a lot of people when you when they hear the Air Force, they think, oh, everyone's a pilot. So but there's so many jobs. Like if you think about it, yes, there are going to be pilots and the mission of the Air Force is to fly planes, drop bombs and do what we need to do but there's so many aspects that go into that you mm-hmm. need certain people that maintain those aircraft you need certain people that give mission plans you need there's so many support roles where everyone plays a critical role in it you have doctors that do flight sur- like flight medicine flight surgeon however personally once i was disqualified from uh pilot the pilot tracker uh, and a flying related track essentially from color vision i looked down my other options and I got extremely interested in intelligence. And so I have that as my number one preference for my job, which how that works here at the Academy is once junior or senior year, depending on the timeframe, they'll give you a sheet. You put down your top six jobs that you want in the air force and you send it off and they base it on your class rank here at the Academy, your if you have flying experience, like prior flying experience, which helps people trying to become pilots and you're, you get jobs back. However, you're going to get a job out of the academy regardless because you have to serve back your time here. And I'm excited for whatever job the Air Force gives me. Hopefully it's intelligence. But if I get another job on my sheet, I'm 100 percent fine with it because in my mind, I'm doing something for the greater good. I'm supporting the mission. And I'm just looking forward to getting out and practicing all these like leadership traits that I've developed here at the Academy and just doing something at also at the tactical level,
1: just doing something for the Air Force. I'm just really excited to do that. What were some of the other jobs that you, you put down other than Intel?
2: Okay. Yep. So my second option, I put OR analyst, which essentially it's like a, a data scientist that works with, uh, optimization and that's directly related to my major here at the academy. So it essentially helps decision makers make the best decision based on, on math and computer science. So I have that as my number two, but I also have logistics readiness and public affairs on there and, uh, acquisitions, contracting for me, a lot of my jobs kind of got cut from my sheet based on my color vision limitation, Mm -hmm. but a lot, a lot of people, they pursue pilot or, um, RPA. So flying like MQ nine Reapers in remote locations. And there's a, there's a job for everyone here and there's missile missileers. You can become that,
1: you know, I'm just curious because, I mean, obviously this has been a very technical discussion so far in, in what you're doing over there. I'm just curious your your humble opinion on a few different things. Um, of all the aircraft that you've been around, been in, you know, you've studied, which in, – and in, I'm going to let you d- define what you consider impressive. But what was the most impressive aircraft that you've you've been around, been in, or know of? So –
2: Pretty pretty easy answer for me. There's <laughs> the, uh, the B-2 Spirit. It's a uh, stealth bomber. And it's the one that looks like a flying Dorito, like a flying triangle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it should fly at all. And Air Force has about, I think it's 20 in the inventory. Um, they had 21, but one crashed off on takeoff due to a technical um, miscalculation. But... I remember when I was actually in the, the jump program. I was under canopy, just, just flying around, having a, a, a great time. And you look off in the distance, and you see this giant black silhouette of a triangle flying. You're like, this this looks like it's out of a movie. This shouldn't be happening. Meanwhile, you're two thousand feet off the ground in a parachute. You're like, oh, my, what
1: is, <laughs> what is this?
2: But it was there just to conduct like uh, a flyover over the academy. And when you're on the ground and you see that, it, it's, ma- like, it's majestic. I don't even know how to explain it. Because most people in the U.S. probably won't ever get the opportunity to even see that aircraft just due to the, the nature of it, mm-hmm. the limited the quantity. Like, you'll see um, C-130s or cargo aircraft, pretty, pretty common flying around. But once you start f- seeing stealth bombers or, or fighters, that's when... Everyone here at the Academy definitely gets gets riled up and excited to see those.
0: Guys, I'm going to interrupt this podcast one more time and talk to you about our sponsor, the Wild Alaskan Company. So I just got back from Alaska not that long ago, and I was cooking up trout and salmon that I was catching in the same day. And I specifically waited to try Wild Alaskan Company fish. So when I got back, cracked some open. Cooked it up. And I got to tell you, I honestly, I really couldn't tell the difference. Um, what they're doing there makes a huge difference. And the taste was there, it was all preserved. It was amazing. And so, uh, if conservation is on your mind as well, Wild Alaskan Company delivers a high quality, sustainably sourced, wild caught seafood right to your door. That's important to me. Conservation has been uh, a really heavy thing for me this year. And there's actually been a lot of great breakthroughs in Alaska specifically on taking care of the environment and the ecosystems that these fish live in. And it's really important to me to support companies that support that. So you can choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore. Wild Alaskan Company Seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. So, and right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood. When you visit wildalaskancompany.com/slash-fieldcraft, that's wildalaskancompany.com/slash-fieldcraft for fifteen dollars off your first box. wildalaskancompany.com/slash-fieldcraft and make sure to use our URL. Let them know that we sent you. Check it out down in the show notes, guys. I promise you won't be disappointed.
1: All right, next opinion question. Uh, I know I've got buddies who are bouncers, and they always joke about Roadhouse. (laughs) You know, I've got friends who, uh, you know, are in the survival industry and we talk about various survival movies as like, man, if you're in the survival industry, you need to know that movie inside and out. Is there an unofficial everyone's favorite movie at the Air Force Academy about the Air Force? Yeah.
2: Not not necessarily. I, w- I wouldn't say
1: so a we're, lot of people, So we're all, just a bunch of seem... lo- we're all just a bunch of losers over here. You're like, we don't watch <laughs> movies.
2: We, it might seem a little controversial, but a lot of people like Top Gun here. Okay. It's a movie about a fighter pilot, but the problem is he's in the Navy. So for a lot of people here, we, we got some flack from the Naval Academy because everyone's like, oh, Top Gun. They'll show trailers from the new one in class, but it's – it's a Navy pilot, not an air force pilot. We all know who's better over here.
1: (laughs) I was so disappointed, uh, with, you know, the whole pandemic and whatnot. Top gun was set to come out last year, the, the new one. And I saw all these interviews where, you know, Tom Cruise was like, Oh, we actually were in these planes and you see like the effects of the G forces on his face. And he's like, he really was in there. Like that's not CGI. Um, so yeah, I was really upset when that one didn't come out. But the premise of the new one seems a little bizarre. I mean, if he's still as a fighter pilot all those years later, like how good of a of, <laughs> a, of, of a airman, or I should say, at, at that point, if you're a fighter pilot in the Navy, are you still an airman, or are you a, a you know a sailor?
0: No, uh, I think
2: they would still be called seamen for because really? it's just the the broad overview of just like everyone in the army is a soldier. Yeah. I don't think that would necessarily change.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for that movie to come out. I definitely will go back to the theaters. I'll, I'll go see that one for sure. Um, so now you've got senior year coming up. Kind of just walk us through like right now. I know you've got a class. I can't keep you on for, for that much longer, um, but you've got a class today and then you're going to find out what your, your job is going to be. And you said in the next 30 days or so what does the rest of the year look like? Like you get to the halfway point, you get to end of the year graduation. Like, what does that look like? Have you already been briefed on that? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're well aware.
2: Yep. So essentially like day to day life here at the academy. Um, when, once you're in academics, you're waking up every day at six in the morning, just like I got up today and you're going to class. You'll, you'll always have like some briefs sometimes in the mornings about like military and, And you'll have lunch formation day. But essentially from 8 to 3, you have classes every day. It gets interesting once after 3 p.m. in those time frames because you can either have um, military training for the freshmen where the upperclassmen support them in that role. So the upperclassmen train the freshmen in your squadron. And you do that, and then you can sometimes also, again, have briefs at night from distinguished visitors that come and guests. But in that entire time frame, you have to find the time to do your homework, still, which can get very difficult sometimes when you're when you're swamped with everything. But once you make it through the academic year, the finals, um, the spring semester, you kind of go through the motions again. You get brand new schedule, go through. There's a lot. A lot. It's a. You have to get a four-year uh, education out of here to become an officer, but. On the time frame, looking to – we're set to graduate in May of 2022. And then after that, we have two months of leave um, accrued from the academy where we call it six days where paid leave, go travel the world. Because there's never going to be a time in your Air Force career where you're going to get approved for two months continuous um, leave. So a a lot of people decide to go to Europe, travel, go see the world for once. Because you're stuck here at the academy, you got to travel a little bit, but you don't have that freedom. So, And then after those 60 days are up, you're you're expected to show up to your your first duty station, wherever that is, for training. Um, So for for pilots, a lot of the bases are Oklahoma and Texas. And the bases are kind of spread out all over um, the United States. So if you go Space Force, you're going to go to Vandenberg um, Space Force Base, I believe it's called now, in California – And you start, you start training on your actual job to get technically proficient at what you're going to do for the air force. So
1: where do you plan on traveling in those 60 days?
2: So I'm definitely going to go back to Poland. So I haven't been there in about, I think it's going to be eight years now, but I'm looking for, I'm looking just to backpack around Europe with my uh, freshman year roommate to go, go visit Germany, uh, the Czech Republic, just get out and experience all the food, the the beer, the culture, everything out there.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was just thinking about this too, you know, I wish I could do a dual podcast because uh, we've got yet another Bristol central alumnus over there. Right. Um, so I, I can't not mention Mark, but, uh, (laughs) so shout out to my, my good buddy, Mark, another Pollock, another good friend of mine. Um, So, uh, and yeah, he recently got engaged too. So congrats, Mark. Um, but now you're going to, you're going to do your 60 days. You're going to backpack. You're going to do all that. And then you hit the ground running. Um, that that's absolutely wild to think that, you know, five years ago, you know, you're, you're sitting in my classroom and now, you know, years later, not many years later, you're going to be a commissioned second Lieutenant, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the that, minu- that's that's the, yeah, go ahead.
2: that's the goal that everyone has here is to commission and make a difference and start doing actual have a have a pretty cool career because all the jobs you do, you do you might have to do some desk work here and there, but it's pretty it's
0: pretty cool.
1: Now I know you're going to do that minimum of five years. Is this something that you're planning on on seeing through the long haul? Do you do you plan on making this full career or I mean I don't even know if you can talk about that, but I mean is this something yeah. that
2: So I'm kind of in a, in a situation where I think I'm gonna reevaluate at that once my um, commitment is up to the Air Force mm-hmm. because if I'm in a career field that I, I enjoy and I want to keep doing I' I can I can make a career of it however, a lot of times there are, um, like if you go enter the intel community, a lot of the three letter agencies, uh, the CIA, FBI will give offers for civilian work for you to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if that fit, if that's a better fit for a person in their life, then why not take it? Right. A lot of people here, like you said, um, once you finish pilot training, you're already in the Air Force for 12, 14 years. So for them, just to continue out the career to 20 years and get the the full retirement, that's for them, it's almost like a no-brainer. But for me, I think I'm going to reevaluate at that. Once my commitment is up, make a smart decision and see where it goes. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for you. Um, Another opinion question just totally random because the coffee is kicking in on this end. Uh, and if you've been in my class, which you have, you know that I tend to go off on these little tangents. Um, I know that the army Navy rivalry is pretty strong. I mean, there's a football game. What about the air force? Is there any rivalry with any other academies or, or anything like that?
2: Oh no, there, there's no rivalry at all. Cause we all know it was on top and it's us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's such a good answer. Oh man. So now, all right, let's, let's kind of, leave this where we began this. Um, You have a chance right now to give the best advice you can to maybe the kid that is 14 years old, they're in high school, right? They're going into high school this year and you've got to prepare them to get accepted to the Air Force Academy, the Citadel, Navy Academy, whatever it may be. Their freshman year, How do you prepare that kid? What do you tell them to do? Like if you could lay out the roadmap for that younger generation to basically follow your footsteps, what do you tell them to do in order to prepare themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, all that?
2: So I think one of the the biggest influential factors for me was finding a mentor. Find someone that can help you at at your school. Like Like I was saying, for when I was in high school, you were that mentor for me. That's why your name got thrown in the newspaper once I graduated. <laughs> you have to find someone that can see you on a very regular basis or talk to you on the phone. We have technology, so why not? And have them help you out. But you have to take – academically, you have to do your do your homework, do, do well in school because that's your primary thing that you're going to be evaluated on to get into essentially any military academy and into college and just success in life. Why wouldn't you um, do the best that you can, but also physically, like the academies also look for leadership experience prior. Um, so if you can become a captain of a sports team, but also just in sports in general, it's going to teach you a lot of how to work with people and how to, how to interact with the team, because that's in the end, you're not going to be working, in the Air Force alone. You're going to have an entire team of people behind you and you're all working together, but definitely seek out a mentor that can help you and guide you in the right decision in the right direction. So that's going to be the biggest piece of advice.
1: Yeah. And that's powerful. I know, you know, I had mentors in high school and throughout college and, you know, in my adult life. And I think you know, in society, like we want to say like, oh, I'm very self-reliant, but it doesn't hurt to ask for help. Right. And it doesn't hurt to, to find people that will, will coach you. Right. I mean, mentoring and coaching are, are very synonymous and mentors don't necessarily have to be a person that has the greatest collection of academic degrees. They could be a person who has lived a life, right. Who has seen the world, who can, you know, look beyond the regular way that most people see things and help you, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, find your way. So I think that's, that's absolutely critical. Um, so let me ask you something, uh, if you have a chance right now, cause I have a funny feeling your, your fellow air force cadets are probably going to be listening to this. Do you want to give a shout out to anyone?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, you a shout out to so my sophomore year, when I was a direct supervisor, you're in charge of a single freshman. Um, and that's your primary person you, you take, take charge of and you guide them through the academy. So for me, um, Connor Carey, yeah, great kid. I've had a, uh, I mentored him through the academy, but now like after spending so much time, we've become best friends. So uh, huge shout out to Connor and.
1: That's really, it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, Mike, thanks so much, man, for, uh, for coming on. I, I meant every single word I said when I said that, you know, you're, you're continuing to make me proud and, and I know that you're going to do amazing things someday. And, you know, uh, eventually I'll, if I'm still at Fieldcraft, if we're still podcasting in 10 years, I want to have you back on and, and find out what you're doing in a decade from now, because I know it's going to be something that's going to change the world so uh so thanks so much for your time today look forward to it thank you so much yeah so guys uh that's the fieldcraft survival podcast this time around thank you so much for listening and uh we'll see you next time